Hello there, Team NXT. CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you episode 113 of that UFP show, all about the NXT show, the Undisputed Future Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and joining me on this road towards NXT TakeOver 30, like I mentioned, episode 113, covering the August 12th edition of NXT television. Unbelievable, 113 episodes. God only knows how many takeovers I've been privileged enough to talk about throughout the course of this podcast. Thank you so much, whether you're listening to me for the first time, the fifth time, or 50th time in this 100 road. If you've been there from the beginning, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much. Be sure you're reaching out to at podcast underscore UF on Twitter with all of your comments, questions, concerns, anything going on specifically with NXT, but you'll see it. I'm tweeting about anything and everything, not just NXT. It's all across the board on pro wrestling, and I'll even throw some mixed martial arts in there, especially with the UFC 252 event that took place last night. Unbelievable main events, but we're here to talk about some wrestling here on Sunday, August 16th. Going to have this episode released for all of you to start your Monday morning, and we continue this road towards next Wednesday on NXT television. August 12th was a rough, rough day of NXT TV for our champion, Keith Lee. But before we get into our champion's presence, his challenger's presence was made known and the person with more presence than his champions, than his challenger's presence was made known, Scarlet. Scarlet just owns the camera. She owns everything that she's set out in front of. She's the star piece of this act. Picture Karrion Cross with no Scarlet. Are you bored? Does he still have it? What's keeping you there watching him on television? There's plenty of guys who can have great matches. We've seen these monster creepy gimmicks before. Scarlet is the drawing point, and she really highlighted herself as the top draw in this couple on this edition of NXT TV. And that would be great if Scarlett was going for the NXT Championship, but Karrion Cross is going for the NXT Championship. I'm not convinced, and this booking here on NXT kind of made me a little bit more unconvinced of that. Karrion Cross versus Danny Burch. And I say this with a lot of affection. I love Danny Burch. Danny Burch, Oni Lorcan, give me that one-two punch tag team any day of the week. Oni Lorcan shining on his own in singles competition. Danny Burch, a veteran, also capable of doing this himself. But to build a star like Karrion Cross, I'm not sure the combat veteran Danny Burch should have gotten as much of a fight as, as he picked up here. Now, I'm saying this again. There's a lot surrounding the victims of Karrion Cross. The man took out the back, took out the entire backstage area locker room. Danny Burch a victim of all of this. Only Orkin a victim of all of this. Cross's destruction rang through. So Burch demanded that the bell rang. And he put the fight right out in front of Karrion Cross. We haven't seen anybody take it to Cross like this before with this amount of aggression. Bronson Reed thought he had it. Bronson Reed delivered a lot of confidence and a lot of size, but I still don't think Bronson Reed got as much offense as Danny Birch did here this evening. Birch fought Cross with a purpose, and that's all well and good. But Birch does not need to be built at this point. The number one contender for the NXT champion needs to be built at this point. 
I would have personally wrote this as Birch comes in with the, like a house on fire, throws everything in the beginning of the match, and then gets shut down. Give this six six and a half minutes tops, and I believe it. It seemed like it got well more more than that. There was some quick offense. Cross was able to put a quick stop to. Great, built off there. But Cross being locked in a submission. Cross being hit with some suplexes, getting knocked down to his feet. Knocked off of his feet, rather, as much as he did this matchup. And I say this as a Danny Birch fan, for crying out loud, we share a first name. But, for the good of the championship scene, we want to build this monster. We want to build that Danny Birch, through all this fire and flames he had through this attack that Cross brought on him. He still took a lot out of Birch from that beating and just carried it on through here. That's the story that I felt should have been told here, and I don't think it was. Danny Birch filled with retribution. He did throw a lot. I just think he got a little too much. Cross ended up victorious, choked out the guy. It all ended how it should have, but I think the path to get to this to this verdict was a little bit rocky for our number one contender placed in this scenario. Birch got him to a good match by the finish, but I think that was a problem. I think a little bit was picked up here in a character-building standpoint in this post-match segment after Cross would lay out and choke out Danny Birch. Keith Lee would come storming the ring. Big man, big amount of rage, lost it, absolutely pleaded with William Regal to get this opportunity, to get this contract able to be held in his hands. I don't know what the... Uh, what the back and forth PDF situation might have been. But I'm sure it was a lot of work. And Cross called out that Keith Lee ran things around. This is what I was getting into last edition of the show, folks. Regal still running things at the top. He's still putting together a takeover card. Cross calls out that Regal isn't here and that Keith Lee can get things done. Cross wasn't able to go through Scarlet or some other back channel to remotely contact Regal himself. The the point of the backstage assault was to show how vicious Cross was. That could have been done as a look at what I've done to this multiple amount of men, just wait until what I do to you at TakeOver. After this match had been approved. Approve that match first. Well, quite frankly, I've realized that all of the destruction between Lee and Cross, this madness will not stop until Cross has an NXT Championship match. So I'm making this match official. As soon as that match gets made official, that's when that backstage assault should have happened. That's when Cross lays out half a locker room and says, this is what I did to six to eight guys. Wait until I'm just locked on, locked on you and that NXT Championship. That's where things should have gone. This whole... Oh, you talk to your guy, and I'll talk to mine, and then we'll talk to Regal, and I'll lay out a bunch of dudes, and you're the one who has power, like, nobody's in constant communication with each other in 2020 is a little ridiculous. We saw that she was able to sign it practically as an agent. I've worked in real estate law before. I know how things getting signed as agents on behalf of brokers and borrowers and etc. I know how there's little legality and representation loopholes and things can be things can 
those elements can fit in the pro wrestling world as they should. What doesn't fit is a lot of quick cuts and a lot of different clear contract switches, and one of them has a fireball bursting out of it, blazing across the eyes of our NXT champion. Yes, after after all the, the things were settled, after Lee stormed the ring, contract in hand, stating, I've begged and pleaded with William Regal. Regal has vowed that as long as we do not make contact with one another, no physicality between us taking place prior to TakeOver 30, the match is on, all you need to do is sign it, and something about calling out his punk ass, which I did get a good chuckle out of. Our NXT champion, now that he's angry and fire, combine that amount of anger and fire with the bass in Keith Lee's voice, that's what we need to see out of a dominant champion. That's what I love about Drew McIntyre as a babyface champion. I want to see the two parallels between a McIntyre and a Keith Lee. These two guys who are vicious, juggernaut babyfaces, don't take any shit, call out their opponents, and that's what we're getting out of the two of them. What we didn't get on Monday nights that we did get on a Wednesday night was a a set of fire after a slight smile between the sinister couple. A freaking fireball erupted in Keith Lee's face this past evening, and uh, Lee refused medical attention, and then he refused medical attention, and then the referees and doctors got involved despite him refusing medical attention, and then he started to continue to refuse medical attention, and Mia Yim, Mia Yim bring, of course making herself available to take care of her significant other and make sure that he's in good enough shape to continue the rest of his night. We would also learn that Mia Yim had to compete later on, which I'll of course get into. NXT Women's Action is the best thing going on in wrestling right now. And then, of course, Lee would refuse to receive medical attention and get some more goss. All all of this is going on, by the way, when a Drake Maverick... Remember Drake Maverick? Drake Maverick, just fresh off having the hottest angle of the summer in this Cruiserweight Championship tournament, taking on a returning to television monster beast of Belfast, Killian Dane. I would love to sit here and talk to you about a good old David versus Goliath matchup in Drake Maverick versus Killian Dane and how I thought Drake is looking good here and Drake definitely earned his keep and his job when he was offered that contract after the Cruiserweight Championship tournaments and Killian Dane. Man, what would would things mean for Killian Dane if he's pushed in the right monster angle and squashing a lovable babyface like Drake Maverick do for his further potential as a monster here on NXT TV and how the North American Championship scene is just erupting with all of this talent of big men and can Killian Dane possibly find himself in a ladder match? We've seen him in the past before. He's shared that North American Championship ladder match scenario with another monster, Lars Sullivan, who we're all trying to forget exists right now. But just imagine all of the potential in talking about Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. But the whole match was overshadowed by Keith Lee refusing but still getting medical attention. I, okay, I, I mean, it. I would love to have discussed a great matchup between David versus, versus Goliath. I understand that the focus needs to be on the NXT Championship scene. 
But enough was enough by that point. It really dragged on through this matchup, and I was not happy with it. This matchup just kind of felt like a bridge for one takeover angle to another. Because after Killian Dane would seal this win over Drake Maverick, Undisputed Era rolling through in a, uh, immediately, immediately rolling through from parking lot to storming the stages and taking out Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. So we had the focus on the NXT Championship scene. Let's forget about the impact that Drake Maverick made in the Cruiserweight Championship. Let's just side-saddle anything that Killian Dane could be doing in a North American Championship. Let's have all of the focus be on this takeover angle. Small window of Killian Dane celebrating a champion, celebrating a big win to television, and boom, Undisputed Era boys. Making an impact, taking out both of these men just to call out the ex-football player, in Pat McAfee. I could complain. I could sit here. I could do more complaining. But goddamn Adam Cole's promo. Oh my goodness. This promo. The fire. The energy. The beatdown. I believe this. And that, that's what's. This is what's great about NXT right now. NXT is doing something. With a name that casual. To not wrestling fans. Are going to recognize in Pat McAfee. I could sit here and joke about the ex-NFL thing, but real talk, the guy was the real deal for the Colts, the greatest punter in the game, and and that's it. Nothing much more to say. I can't I can't take away from those particular accolades of his. Um that Sonic the Hedgehog notification was me being invited to a Pokemon Go raid by another wrestling podcast. Shout out to the New Age Insiders here, by the way. So I do want to talk more about Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era boys, but I'm going to go see what Team Valor can do, Team NXT. I'll uh, stay tuned. Unfortunate turn of events in that turn of events. Sorry, guys. Um, just barely missed that invite to raid. I hope you caught that Genesect by the way, and uh, maybe even a shiny. I'm wishing you all the best of luck in the mythical Pokemon Go adventures. Um, Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era. Adam Cole just cutting down Pat McAfee. You are not special. You've done this. You've done that. You cannot be seen as special in this world. Adam Cole is special. He is the top-tier champion. And next week, show up, and you'll realize that you are in over your head. This is how all of these cross-promotional promos need to be. Simple, short, direct, to the point. Believable as much as long-time wrestling fans aren't really going to believe it, but it's still going to be one hell of an angle. And based on what work McAfee has been doing and posting about, I have some really high hopes for him to be able to go in between those, those four turnbuckles. Great promo. Adam Cole, just simple, calling out, you will not last in this world. You cannot hang here. You're a well-accomplished athlete in this part of the universe, but you cannot hang in the NXT universe. And that's where Adam Cole has shown the brightest over 400 days as the top guy, as the champion of the black and gold brand. And next week, we'll get a face-to-face, probably... Closing out the segments and uh, NXT Championship match will probably get overshadowed because McAfee and Cole will be a closing main event segment. That's just a 
prediction that I hope has no weight. But I'm guessing Lee's eyes are going to be all banged out of shape and unusable. So we'll get a promo video package for the NXT Championship. And NXT TV will go off the air with McAfee and Cole brawling at each other. You heard it here first. Moving on, moving forward into the cruiserweight division, we have Santos Escobar, our defending champion, the head of Legado del Fantasma. Yes, folks, no more saying Legacio here for this gringo, Legado del Fantasma, headed by Santos Escobar. Taking on Prince Pretty, Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze, Breezango had a rough, rough, uh, rough encounter with Legado del Fantasma. Fandango would be kidnapped, abducted. Can you still call it? Well, based on the crazy story that broke earlier today, which I'm not going to get into, you can still attempt to kidnap a, a grown adult. Really scary situation going on in the world of pro wrestling, which by the time this episode comes out, I'm sure all of you will have heard about. Breeze versus Escobar. High energy, all business mentality. By Tyler Breeze. No over-the-top entrance. No comedy. This was Tyler Breeze in between the ropes making his entrance. This was the seriousness that we see when the moveset starts being broken into out of Tyler Breeze. We get that from the get-go. He's really standing up for his partner, Dango, at the hands of these hooligans because... But I give it that. Santos one-on-one against Breeze for the majority of this match. It was hard-hitting action in the cruiserweight division. Tyler Breeze, you, you'll hear me say it going as far back as episode one, and especially when he first came back to NXT, Tyler Breeze needs to and deserves to be a champion. But Danny, he was a joke on the main roster. He got sent back down to NXT to improve, right? Some new listeners might be listening and asking themselves, no, Breeze is one of the more accomplished heels in NXT's history. If you needed somebody in the right spot in the main event, if you needed that heel in a number one contender match to lose to somebody to get a championship opportunity at the NXT title, you you just rang up Tyler Breeze. Go back to NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way, you will see one one of my most favored promos in NXT history out of Tyler Breeze. So Breeze has been paying his dues for the black and gold brand for quite some time. He either needs to jump back in to the North American championship scene, because I don't think he's going to be NXT champion at this point. North American championship scene, great match against Dream, who's more than unwelcome return to TV, in my humble opinion. I'll get into more, but Breeze should be... Jumping in the North American Championship scene, joining the Haas fight, seeing what he can do over there. Maybe this 205 Live thing sticks. We see Breeze get a run with the Cruiserweight title, or if Dango's in the best of condition and can stay healthy, we see a NXT Tag Team Championship run for Breezango. And I can't think of a better set of opponents to take on now than the maddest, sacred, seriousness attitude out of Imperium to take on... Brizango and Brizango can can really bring that. We bring the fun, but we bring the fight just as just as much. Um, drifting off of the championship hopes, but I'm just gonna need to report he cannot. He cannot pull off the win. 
He cannot topple the champion. We have Tiger Breeze being distracted by Joaquin Wilde, Raul Mendoza. The rest of Legado del Fantasma would make their presence known just for a Fantasma driver to be executed. Just like every other match on WWE television, we have some heel run-ins, babyfaces getting stupidly distracted and taking them out, but getting planted by the opponent that they should have been focusing on the entire time. Wow, it's it's just kind of... There's There's been some gray area in NXT discussion lately. It's it's getting a lot of a lot of there's there's some things worth worth complaining about. Cruiserweight division, the character work is on. We know what Legado del Fantasma is about. We know about the seriousness that needs to return to the luchador style. Lucha Libre is take a page out of Imperium's book. Lucha Libre is sacred as well. The faction, the faction building needs to be taken one step at a time. If we're going to have Undisputed Era running roughshod over a guy the size of Killian Dane, I'm not going to exactly be blown away if three guys distract Tiger Breeze to cost him a win. Just kind of how I think the uh, the screen time ended up being shared once, once everything was said and done on this matchup because the post-match beatdown would continue by Legado del Fantasma and a returning Dango. Dango is here. He's got his arm in a sling, but he's got a cane helping him walk. So he was, I'm guessing, abducted into the van and then thrown out of the van onto the grounds, beaten the snot out of, and then ran over with the van and broke his arm and also managed to break his leg as well because full-on sling and needing assistance to walk. He's got body damage up and down and... uh could not fully make the save, but somebody who could help make the save fully is Isaiah Swerve Scott. Swerve versus Phantasma. Swerve Brizango versus Phantasma. And then Swerve Scott versus Santos Escobar one-on-one. Give me that matchup right away. Give me the, the charis- charismatic and confident Swerve versus another very charismatic faction head we see in NXT in Santos Escobar. Cruiserweight action picking up. I think there's exciting things that can happen in the division, but I I don't think it's all there yet. I think uh I think we got Santos. I think we got Santos in a pretty good title reign so far. I want to see Swerve as as the top dog in that division, but if I'm being honest, I think Kushida needs to be the one to take away the title from Legado del Fantasma. We can list the talents up and down who are deserving of title reigns in NXT. I just did that when I mentioned Tiger Breeze throughout this entire segment. But we get this imports of a Japanese talent in NXT. And it's going to go down the same road that Hideo Itami did. Where he's going to get swept up in a lot of chaos. He's going to get some untimely injuries which Kushida has already been plagued with. Mind you, we've had an untimely injury after he had an incredible match against United Kingdom champion Walter. Let's not have another arm injury have to happen before we realize how good we have it with Kushida. And I'm making points well before that I need to, but Kushida needs to be that guy to take it away from Santos Escobar. It's either Kushida or Swerve Scott. 
and I think it's a little too soon for the sake of Phantasma's build as a stable to be sacrificed for Swerve to take that away, but I think that Swerve can get the victory in a tag team matchup scenario over Escobar. He pins the champion, we get that takeover matchup, but the stable continues to protect what is theirs, what they see as the serious need in Lucha Libre, and that is that Cruiserweight Championship to be held by them. And Kushida, before being plagued with another injury, before he's around, before he gets too frustrated and wants to go back to NJPW, like Kenta Hideo Itami did, let's give that guy the Cruiserweight Championship sooner than later. I'm going to digress on that point and jump into the women's division with the brilliance that is these two promo packages. I'm going to cover them all at once because I'm going to do one more justice than the other one. Dakota Kai and Io Shirai, not only do those two opponent names rhyme, and that's going to be incredibly fun to say come the TakeOver Prediction Show, but Kai and Shirai with a verbal joust in these promo packages. Dakota Kai... She doesn't need friends. She doesn't need anybody. All of these bold-faced lies while also being backed by Big Mommy Cool and Mercedes Martinez helping her secure this number one contendership opportunity. She succeeds on her own? Really? Does does she though? Um, I mean, she's a master, master manipulator and doing one hell of a heel run and Dakota Kai's killing it whether it's as the underdog babyface facing off with Shayna Baszler, or this sort of low-life gutter <clears throat> heel. I can't think of a classy way or non-misogynistic term to really sum up Dakota Kai's character. Just go. I, I'm just going to go with something, something generic and evil and say boring, I guess. It's, and say evil. Evil. Evil Dakota Kai, scary captain of Team Kick, the more ruthless, aggressive, ruthless aggression being shown by Dakota Kai. There's an acceptable WWE term to throw on character development, a ruthlessly aggressive Dakota Kai, saying that she will secure the NXT Women's Championship. Io Shirai, goddamn, Japanese, English, it didn't matter what she was speaking, I was captivated by the words coming out of her mouth. Shirai vows that she will not only retain her NXT Women's Championship, but Io Shirai went back into that well that I just went back into. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Remembering that Dakota Kai has been in this NXT Women's Championship scenario before. She's had her opportunities against scary opponents. The Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler absolutely torturing Dakota Kai, meshing up her arm, her knees. Any injury that Dakota Kai has had on screen in NXT can be contributed to Shayna Baszler. With the exception of, you know, a ladder match injury bump or or two, but I'm going to digress away from that. The fact that Io Shirai brought up this past history and this past behavior by Dakota Kai and followed up on it. Magnificent. Io Shirai promises 
that Dakota Kai, after TakeOver, will be just as scared of her as she is of Shayna Baszler. You've pissed off the wrong champion. She's the same scared little girl who will fall under the pressure of a championship match and Io Shirai will be an imprint of fear on Dakota Kai's memory. That's good stuff. That's what we want out of a championship scene. I cannot wait for Kai versus Shirai. Not just for the rhyme, but we know that the match is one hell of a good time. And on that rhyme, I'm going to move on. Mia Yim versus Indy Hartwell. Very impressed by Indy Hartwell. Love Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell secured a win all by herself, not really over Shotzi Blackheart with the help of Robert Stone Brands. Indy Hartwell is not just some jobber showing up on TV, but she has been she hasn't been victorious since that since that uh assistance by the Robert Stone brand. So can she really do it on her own? I think that's what we're waiting to see out of Miss Indy Hartwell. But I'm very impressed with her as a talent. She's a name that I did recognize prior to signing to NXT. So always one to watch there. Mia Yim, this was the story of the matchup. Mia Yim was fighting with the weight of a world on her shoulders. The weighing of this injury to her man's eye. I mean, Keith Lee's eyes were set on fire somehow, even though the rest of his skin didn't go up in flames. She had a lot to worry about. She needs to know if he's going to be in not only fighting shape, but is she going to need to go from this match to a local medical facility? Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that, Team NXT. You get your face set on fire, but they're still calling it a local medical facility. You can't even get set on fire and be sent to the hospital. You're still sent to a medical facility. Maybe it's COVID-related. Maybe nobody wants to be in a Florida hospital right now with everything going on. Maybe there's a burn unit in the local medical facility. I don't know these things. I don't know how Florida medicine works. If it's anything like the rest of the United States and what I know about Florida, it's probably just as complicated two times as twisted. But Mia Yim would win by submission, not something we see very commonly out of Mia Yim. I think I think something is to be said for a name of the submission. I think if we're going to go with Protect Your Neck and we want another Wu-Tang-related finisher, I would call the submission 36 Chambers. Just a little homage to the greatest hip-hop album, or at least up there. Not here to spit on anybody's music's taste, especially with hip-hop head Mauro Ranallo being an icon of mine and lead NXT commentator. Love me again. Big win for her. Hopefully uh, hopefully her and Lee are, are staying safe and let's see what else is, uh, what's possibly in store for Mia Yim. Could she be a, uh, could she be some collateral damage in this NXT championship scene? Because she's obviously competing with a lot of worry. Could that worry... Could that worry come back to haunt her? Could that concern be of some concern to Keith Lee? I don't know. I think uh, I think a Scarlet and Mia Yim interaction could possibly be coming sooner rather than later. Feel free to quote me on uh, on that one. Oh, here's another... Uh, 
I don't know how to segue this quite right, but Finn Bauer. Finn Bauer. Yeah, let's just let's just trample all over the, the NXT women's division talk you were doing, Danny, and just jump in Finn Bauer's name. That's 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 real nice of you. I'll get back to NXT women's action. Just uh just right quick. I need to, to cover this Haas fight in the North American title division because somebody calling their shot in the North American Championship division is the prince himself. Finn Bauer vowing victory over Ridge Holland next week. Uh, is that what's going on? No, I'm sorry. Finn Bauer would have an opponent next week, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get to his opponent next week. Finn Bauer, the prince is calling his shot, folks. Finn Bauer is calling his shot at the North American title. Another black and white promo by the prince. Let's move on to a man that Finn Bauer has takeover history with, and that's Damian Priest. Damian Priest versus Finn Bauer, the match that elevated Damian Priest, the match that has given Damian Priest this window of opportunity so far, the match that gave this weird little babyface turn in Damian Priest's character and added some, not really added some stuff because I've seen him do it in Ring of Honor, but gave him the opportunity to do some really cool stuff in NXT right now from Damian Priest. That's one one thing I will approve of in the babyface scene and again I don't really have a horse in this race because I'll root for Damian Priest just on the bias of being a fellow New Yorker as uh as the archer of infamy taking on Bronson Reed Bronson Reed nobody is on the rise in NXT like Bronson Reed is Reed calling his shot getting a video package he's got a lot of momentum going into this North American title picture and getting that momentum called out by Damian Priest in the Full Sail parking lot. Yes, a lot of confrontation and complication does happen in the Full Sail parking lot. Laughing my ass off about Full Sail putting out a statement about their security with all of the main roster retribution attacks going on as uh, as well. Those parking lots are sketchy, folks. Don't let their social media team fool you. I kid. I kid. All in... All in good fun. Just just jesting around a little bit. Talk about the match, though. Reed versus Priest. One hell of a hot fight. Momentum going into this ladder match on the line. Reed's got the power advantage. Really hard to call if this was a power advantage for Reed, but he had the size. He had the size with and power wise, but Priest with a lot of height, a lot of striking ability. The aerial ability of Priest also astounding. The springing off the ropes just to tackle another large-sized opponent. Priest works well with smaller guys. I can continue to point back to that Finn Balor matchup. But just seeing him in there with somebody about his about his own division's worth. This is this is some really good stuff here. Bronson Reed continues to impress. Ozilla stomping through NXT, making quite the splash with his tsunami splash. And that kind of brings me to the finish of this matchup. Uh, Reed pulling off unbelievable feats of strength in this matchup, able to catch Priest like a small child. Shout out to Nigel McGuinness. I really missed the calls of he's throwing him around like a small child. On uh, on NXT commentary, really want to see Moro, Nigel, and Beth back as a team soon. Uh, don't know when or where we'll 
be able to see that again, but just something that immediately came to mind as soon as I saw Bronson Reed catching Damian Priest springing off the ropes. Uh, the springboard sent on by Priest was cool. Reed would catch and plant Priest on not just one, but a couple of occasions in this matchup. And once off of a power slam, a booming power slam, something that you thought Priest would not be able to get up from, Reed just a little bit more. When you think Priest was fully washed away, Reed was trying to get one last wave over him with a splash, and almost did. Priest almost got caught by that splash. There was a little bit of, I don't know if he didn't roll enough. I don't know if he rolled half of one instead of one full entirety. But he almost got his legs caught by that. And I'm not sure if it was intentional. If it was, man, Reed came so close but just barely got Priest. But Priest just escaped enough of it where he might be able to turn the momentum around. After all this momentum turning around post-splash, Reed would jackknife his way into a victory. A jackknife cover by a man of Bronson Reed's size. You have that amount of weight collapsing down on your chest. Count to five. Count to ten. You got a big boy on. You got thick, thick boy Bronson Reed collapsing your lungs in. There's no cardio for that. There's nothing that's going to prepare you for that. That's that's a one, two, three count at minimum. And that's Spells an upset if you're a Damian Priest fan. That spells momentum for Bronson Reed. That shows Bronson Reed is marking his monstrous footprint in the NXT North American Championship scenario. Love this match between these two guys. A lot of faith in the both of them. Shout out to any of my Australian friends who might be listening. Uh, Bronson Reed, definitely on my radar. And uh, Brendan Vink, too. By the way, let's let's get Brendan Vink back on NXT television sooner than later as well. Uh, I honestly want to talk about the stuff that happened after this match more than I want to talk about the stuff that happened before this match. Robert Stone representing his brand with Mercedes Martinez and Aaliyah teaming together against Casey and Caden, Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro. Team Ninja Warriors versus the Robert Stone brand. Stone claiming the brand is on fuego and the future is as bright as a fire. Hard to dispute. Very hard to dispute when you get such a major signee as Mercedes Martinez. Powerhouse in this women's division. Definitely able to make her mark. And boy, did she do that this matchup. Gonna stay away from Mercedes Martinez. Give a little bit of spotlight to Casey. Hi, Colin. Come here, buddy. Talking about Team Ninja Warrior. Casey Catanzaro would get an offer to join the Robert Stone brand. Imagine that. Imagine another signee to the Robert Stone brand. But uh, Casey would have none of it. Casey would crush the previously digered, previously injured digits. That's a kind of tough phrase. Of Robert Stone getting his toes stomped down. It's really bad if you're the knee, leg. If you're any part from the hips down of Robert Stone, I'm I'm 90% sure of it. That's... Uh, that's not a body part you want to be, and I'm just talking about legs and legs and toes here, folks, and knees. You can you can fill in any other below the hips and waist talk you uh you want to implicate there yourself. I love Casey and Caden. 
Didn't have much faith in them winning this matchup, as as I should. Mercedes Martinez building herself as a credible powerhouse and badass in this division. Casey kicked it off hot. Caden's got this unbelievably unique offense to her. I'm not going to take anything away from those two women ever. Aliyah's really, really coming into her own, being the NXT veteran, joining the Robert Stone brand, being that kind of hamming, hamming it up in front of the camera presence. While Mercedes is this dark, glooming force over the women's division, I think there is a fun little contrast there. Would love to see Vanessa Bourne join the Robert Stone brand, but I'm going to stay away from that point and focus on Martinez. Casey Casey just get put down by Mercedes Martinez. Mercedes Martinez, all business, onto the next one. Let's let's get this one put away. One, two, three. No sign of uh, no sign of wagon behinds for the Robert Stone brand. Rhea Ripley, Rhea freaking Ripley versus Mercedes Martinez. NXT TakeOver, speak it into existence, badass brawl, Aaliyah would try and get the numbers game, Shotzi Blackheart would even the odds, let's set up this tag team match, Shotzi Blackheart with another arbitrary tag team partner in Rhea Ripley versus Aaliyah and uh, Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez, sorry my dog is doing some fun stuff over there, he's about to go drink water. Yeah, I apologize if you guys hear any slurping in the background. That's a, that's our little furry friends, the Velveteen Dog, who is much more welcome in this house than the Velveteen Dream. Just, ugh. I know, I know, I have to talk about him. I know he's a big time talent. I know how young and promising he was gonna be, but there's, there's just too much we don't know. Something else we don't know too much about is what the hell is going on with these. Candice LeRae Gargano family promo segments on uh, on here lately. I think it can eventually be something. I think Candice reading to Padme Amidala is incredibly cute. The fairy and the dragon tale. I think there's something there. Tegan Knox, the flag of Wales has a dragon on it. And Candace is a pixie, pixie and fairy. Whoa, real subtle there. I th- actually, I, I really, I really hope somebody, uh, somebody's just figuring that out right now. I hope somebody just had a mind blowing moment because of yours truly. Candace would tell fairy tales, but the reality of the situation is that she wants a match with Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox looked great on SmackDown, by the way, folks. Tegan and Smack, Tegan and Shotzi both looking great in the. Women's Opportunity uh, Battle Royal on SmackDown Live this past Friday. Love to see any additional shots in Tegan Knox time I can. But Tegan versus Candice, that's something that's that's something promising too. I don't think that's as takeover jumping up and down as Mercedes Martinez versus Rhea Ripley has me has me been. But that's that's gonna be a great match as well. Uh the distorted camera when Candice is talking and the demonic voice that comes into play. Johnny Gargano, while changing a light bulb, I don't know if he got electrocuted, but the same thing happened to him when he was calling out the North American Championship Division qualifying singles match against Ridge Holland next week. Johnny Gargano 
Johnny Gargano, I mean, there's there's no takeover without Johnny Takeover, is there? There's very few and far between takeovers without Johnny Takeover. So I really think that Ridge Holland is gonna have all of all of the welcome in the world on NXT UK, but I think that the Johnny Gargano way, by any means necessary, will secure him a matchup and a victory, um, uh, a victory in that matchup. And Johnny Hardware, Johnny Ladder matches, Johnny leaves the ladder just laying around for somebody to trip over. Yeah, caught that too. Johnny versus Rich Holland next week. Johnny Gargano making quite his claim. All right. Let's get into this camera effect stuff, folks, shall we? It's not the first time we've seen it out of Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano. I really hope it's the first time I'm going to start caring about it, though, because the first time it was implicated and implemented, rather, excuse me, uh, we got them both losing to... We got Johnny Gargano losing to Keith Lee. I don't know if I was supposed to care about the Johnny Gargano distorted camera face and him coming up with a loss. So I'm hoping that the results are different when he's cutting these kind of promos for a qualifying match in a championship scene, not against a champion himself. I'm hoping that the creepy camera voice can at least qualify him for a championship picture, not just be the champion. Candace doing it. I understand Candace doing it more than I understand Johnny doing it. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because the purple aesthetic matches Candace just a little bit better. I don't know if it's the fact that I have the poison pixie nickname and the smoke and the purple and this void poisonous presence kind of fits in her character nickname as well, I think it really looks good for Candace. I don't like what it does for Johnny. I can't explain it any more than I just did. Call me out if I'm crazy at podcast underscore UF on the Twitter about it. But there's just something where when Candace is speaking behind it, yeah, I get it. It's like a twisted Disney evil. It's an evil Disney princess. And that's actually kind of where I'm going with this entire rant here, folks. I think that the Candace Gorey and Johnny Gargano heel character dynamic is going to evolve into this Disney villain-esque sort of delivery behind the promos and the entrance gear and we're already starting to see it with the gray, silvery hair that Candace has now. I think Disney villain-esque is the best way to try and take this number one. Candace and Johnny, well, Candace mostly. Candace, being the Disney fan that she is, can draw all of these inspirations. She can use all of this work when she's playing the antagonist, and she can also have this investment to research the male Disney antagonists and help out Johnny. So I think this is all in Candace's ballpark. I think that Candace is also delivering promos better than Johnny Gargano does as a heel. I think Johnny Gargano's always had this kind of issue when it came to delivery and believability behind his words when he's filled with the piss and vinegar and calling out Tommaso Ciampa and painting NXT for life. Those are the ones that I believe 
but those are not every week. Those are not consistent enough where we can confidently say Johnny Gargano is a good promo. And I say the same thing, to be honest, with Tommaso Ciampa at points. At points. It's in it's inconsistent still, but Champa is still clearly better. Let's get away from that. Gargano needs help in this heel role, and I think Candice is gonna give it to him. I think on screen and behind the scenes, I think Candice is gonna shape the heel turn of these two more than Johnny Gargano is and has been doing. And I hope it works. I'm sitting here. I, I changed shirts before I recorded this, folks. I'm, I can I can take a picture and prove it right now for you. I'm wearing my Johnny Gargano the whole shebang and talking about this for so long and really taking out this chunk of time because I want to speak something positive into his character evolution, into existence. Candace helping Johnny with this sort of dark Disney villain side can do something for his career. I don't know what well, I don't know what kind of royalties I'm going to owe after saying Disney so much in that rant, but I'm going to move on from there. Thatch's Thatch Can is back in session, uh, breaking down the single leg crab and the Achilles tendon and the Achille- the Achilles heel. Well, I hate to be that student's Nobody wants to be the Uki for a maneuver. Nobody wants to be an Uki for Timothy Thatcher breaking in submission moves ever. And we'll see what happens. Victory means learning how to adapt. Very good, very good message for Thatcher's students. Adaptation, adaptability, very important in combat sports. Okay, uh, I want to talk about the matchup more than I want to talk about the return, so let's jump into it. Main event time, Kushida versus Cameron Grimes, who vows to take the North American Championship all the way to the moon. I thought it was another great promo by the obnoxious Southerner and Cameron Grimes. The man is a product of the Hardy compound for a reason. The guy's got it. Kushida spoke about him earlier. Especially now that we know he didn't win this matchup, needs to be cruiserweight champion. But somebody I'm happy who didn't win this matchup. A returning Velveteen Dream. A Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream is one of the most charismatic and impressive pro wrestlers at his age right now. That's Velveteen Dream. Patrick Clark. Patrick Clark, the man behind the character, has been called out for some questionable fucking behavior involving minors. It's disgusting. It's fucking gross. How is he back on NXT TV? How is this allowed right now? He was just in the championship scenario when all of this hell was starting to break loose and the allegations were being brought to light. You don't have him back before 
the next takeover after that takeover. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? You don't go from takeover to takeover. I'm sorry. You don't get to appear on NXT TV before TakeOver 30. You get off TakeOver 30. You're not on TakeOver 30. You don't get referenced on the road towards a milestone NXT TakeOver event when there's allegations against your name towards sexual come-ons towards minors. It just doesn't pan out that way. That doesn't happen. I know WWE has covered up a lot of fucked up shit in the past, especially when it comes to twisted pedophilia, and it's fucked up. It's so fucked up. Now, everybody's, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. What about innocent until proven guilty? What about releasing a statement saying that we investigated or we did something or we found these claims to be false because of A, B, and C. These were proven to not happen because of one, two, and three. Oh, these things did happen and we realize how messed up it is. We are taking issue with Patrick Clark right now. We are trying to figure out a rehabilitation program for him. We are making him attend sex anonymous courses and meetings until these things are scheduled and out of his fucking system. Scheduled didn't make any sense there, but I'm ranting and raving. I'm, I'm, I'm a karate instructor. Okay. My passion was teaching martial arts. So anybody looking to hurt kids or take advantage of them strikes a really bad chord with me and I don't care how much I enjoyed your rivalry with Aleister Black at NXT TakeOver War Games. You're a disgusting piece of shit if that's where you're trying to get your rocks off. Are you kidding me? Now, innocent, put it out there that he's innocent. Let us know something was done. Don't treat wrestling fans like they don't have access to stories and screen grabs and all of these audio recordings of where do you go to school out there. I don't know what's, I I don't know what's investigated. I don't know what isn't. I don't know what's proven true. I don't know what's proven false. But just by this standpoint, there's a lot of questionable stories without concrete evidence. But guess what? There's a lot of freaking evidence here. There's screen grabs, there's phone numbers that match the Washington, D.C. area code, and there's a voice that sounds one hell of a lot like the Velveteen Dream. We need to know what these things were looked into before you bring the guy back on television. That's disgusting. That's a questionable act. I don't care. You've already had me not rooting for this guy after these things come to light. You don't need to make it worse by not putting out a statement saying these things were looked into. But Dan, we can make the assumption that he's back on TV. They wouldn't have put him back on TV if he was this disgusting pervert, right? Jerry Waller did commentary for how long? Okay, Jerry the King Lawler was on television for how many years? Okay, let's let's have let's have that thing, let's have these things sink in for a little while. 
Um, very happy Dream did not win this matchup. I was pulling for Kushida because I don't know if you could tell by the theme of this episode. I really just want better things for the guy. But I thought it was an exciting triple threat matchup. I think that all disgusting allegation things aside, Dream st- can still put on a good match. He did fit in well here. It was a surprise that he's in this triple threat match. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he would, well, I know for a fact it wouldn't have been my choice. I know that, uh, that daddy hasn't been home for a while. Yeah, let's, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to get into that quite yet. I'm, uh, I, d- I did promise myself that if I did not see Tommaso Ciampa on NXT TV this this week, or at least being alluded to for some involvement on NXT TakeOver 30, that there would be some some cause for these things to be stated. But let's finish talking about the main event here first, folks. Kushida pulling out the aerial submissions. Kushida pulling out all of the stops to prove that he is the technical wizard that everybody sees that he is. Cameron Grimes, opportunistic heel powerhouse at his finest, caving in Kushida. One, two, three. Grimes sneaks away with one in decisive fashion. You don't see that very often. It's just impact from a Mack truck. Boom. One, two, three. Before you know it, Grimes is rolling out of the ring. Big old grin on that goofy southerner face. And that man is moving on to NXT TakeOver 30 and the North American Championship ladder match. Now... They didn't try and make everything about Velveteen Dream's return, all bells and whistles, all sunshine and lollipops and rainbows. They did turn him heel. They did turn him heel. Grimes would cave in Kushida, throw Dream away, and Grimes would not take over, and Dream would take exception to being thrown away like this. And slapping the piss out of Kushida for uh, for lack of a better term that was there was some impact behind that there was there was a heel turn and then some by uh by a post match assault by Velveteen Dream at least at least it wasn't totally tone deaf bringing him back to NXT TV at least it wasn't as tone deaf as we're going to bring him back to NXT TV and make him a babyface and have him be this consistent babyface and we know how much he was getting cheered and he was just the babyface foil to Adam Cole as or as uh, as NXT champion. So uh, we're just going to go back to Velveteen Dream being a babyface and just keep that pedal to the metal like nothing happened. No, we... Uh, we got a heel turn from Velveteen Dream, slapping the shit out of Kushida and confronted by Finn Balor. And NXT TV would end on you take away you take away the ranting and raving of the actions I just discussed and Velveteen Dream versus Finn Balor locking eyes to end an NXT TV episode would be money, would be incredible, would be something I'm jumping up and down about. But now my only thought is Finn Bauer better win this damn match. And Finn Bauer better be the one who moves on to NXT TakeOver 30. 
That qualifying match, also Johnny Gargano versus Ridge Hollins. Money's on Johnny Gargano, but I do see things, big things for Ridge Hollins. Maybe not on NXT North America, but NXT UK. All right, totally ingests. Ridge, Ridge Holland, he has a look to him. That Englishman is, uh, he's got the size, he's got the ability. I think there there could be some some good big things in form. Bauer versus Dream, Gargano versus Holland, North American title picture, and McAfee versus Cole face to face next week. That's gonna be the uh, the big three highlights going into NXT TV next week. Now. There's a missing piece in this entire NXT TakeOver equation. Carrying Cross's first victim, Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa was the first to fall at the hands of Carrying Cross after the one final beat matchup between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Tommaso Ciampa then went on to face Carrying Cross at NXT TakeOver. In your house and lost in decisive fashion at the hands of uh, of Carrying Cross. Since then, we have not seen anything of Tommaso Ciampa on NXT TV. We have not seen any Twitter interaction from Tommaso Ciampa to anyone in the NXT universe. I haven't seen any word of him moving to Raw or SmackDown, especially with his interviews. Tommaso Ciampa strikes me as an NXT lifer and one of the faces of this very brand. But, where is he? Where is one of the most compelling characters that NXT has seen in a while? Where is one half of the most compelling rivalries in NXT history? Where is the man who Full Sail packed to the gills would preach and chant Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home? Where is that guy? Where is Tommaso Ciampa? Where is Tommaso Ciampa? He's not injured. There's no way he's hurt again. There is absolutely no way the man is hurt again. Please let this not be the case. That's the that's my only exception. We're building towards a milestone takeover. Yes. He was hurt numerous times. ACL, neck injury. Injuries that should have ended other men's professional wrestling careers. But Tommaso Ciampa just works three times as hard and rehabs three times as fast as the next guy. And he's in three times as better shape as anybody in that particular weight class probably is. If you can't find room for somebody with that kind of character work If you can't find room on a television program for a guy who's that jacked and that vascular, when we know that Vince McMahon is looking for looks no matter what brand it is, even if it's people who are about to be NXT lifers, you know that's still people that under the Vincent Kennedy McMahon umbrella, he wants on his television. Where is Tommaso 
Champa. It's not NXT TakeOver 25. He is not hurt. This is not... We are not losing... We are not losing Tommaso Ciampa for NXT TakeOver 25 and NXT TakeOver 30. That is ridiculous. When there's no reason for it. When the, when the only reason there is creative has nothing for you, how do you not find something for this guy? How do you not... How do you not the program is right here in front of you. How is this not obvious? Tommaso Ciampa was absolutely devastated and dismantled at the hands of Karrion Cross. He has never suffered an NXT TakeOver loss like that. He has never been handled in a matchup that way before. From the one final beat to being absolutely decimated by Karrion Cross, we need another road of redemption, a road toward retribution for Tommaso Ciampa. It's so goddamn obvious. He loses to Gargano. He loses the final chapter in this epic saga of a rivalry that has lasted years in NXT. He takes that loss in that fashion from something that has been spanning years to something that spanned weeks and losing in a matter of minutes. That shakes your confidence. Tommaso Ciampa was arguably, arguably the most confident NXT champion we have ever seen. Ever. Nobody held that title with such esteem. Nobody stared at the nameplates instead of the main big gold part of the title like the conceded champion Tommaso Ciampa did, the guy is on top of the world one year and at the bottom of the barrel the next. Karrion Cross was literally the demon that manifested from all of Tommaso Ciampa's misdeeds. From the backstabbing and the turning away and the doing whatever it takes to hold on to these material things when his family would suffer at him being away. Just some, something needs, something is there, something has got to give. Just have Champa lose. Just have him lose. He can lose, he can lose matches meaningfully. It's not easy to do, but with his track record and with this story that you are able to tell, he can lose meaningfully. He can lose meaningfully to guys who need the win. Tommaso Ciampa can be that, oh my God, so-and-so just pinned a former NXT champion. What is going on with Tommaso Ciampa? What is going through the mind of Tommaso Ciampa? How has these two past big-time losses affected him? That's not a hard story to tell. I'm not saying he needs his own match at NXT TakeOver. If he did, he'd have to lose to continue the storyline. But no, he doesn't even need his own match at NXT TakeOver 30. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been monitoring the condition of Tommaso Ciampa ever since the loss at one final beat and the loss to Karrion Cross at NXT TakeOver in your house. 
a competitor of his stature has never suffered a, a loss in this record time or in this kind of fashion. Uh, if Karrion Cross is able to manhandle a former NXT champion like this, what can he do when he's actually has a NXT championship opportunity on the line against Keith Lee? We've seen what he can do against Tommaso Ciampa, but let's talk about Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso, how are you feeling right now? We could do these remotely so that it's... Tommaso Ciampa's promos have been so simple and brilliant. It's been him either in the back of a truck or in a storage area with just him and a camera. Why can't he just do that with somebody asking him questions about his current state of mind or his family or his injury concerns or his or his concerns about karma even? Call it out to him. Like, do, do you think this... Do you think the string of losses is a sense of is a sense of comeuppance? And I hate how liberally that word is used in wrestling by wrestling fans when especially but I digress. There's something here. Just get we're monitoring his status. Every other every other week a five minute interview. One week after that carrying cross loss. Somewhere between NXT TakeOver In Your House and now. There could have been a couple weeks gone by saying we're monitoring the condition of Tommaso Ciampa. And then he could be silent for the interview. There could have been some reaction there that makes you feel a little bit of empathy and really pushes, not only gives him something to do when there's a landmark TakeOver going on, but solidify this babyface thing a little bit more too. If you're anything as big of a Johnny Gargano fan as I am, you're not fully convinced yet that Tommaso Champ is a babyface. The Blackheart documentary on the WWE Network absolutely tugged at the heartstrings without a doubt. But that's not really NXT lore. If you're looking strictly at NXT lore and what we've seen in canon on television, Champa's still in a gray area of a guy. He got jumped, yeah, by carrying cross. Matches between two heels have been done before. Matches between two aggressors have been done before. Champa's still the Champa's misdeeds are still out there. Champa's past actions are still out there. They're still widely available. Call those out. Get this man something to do. Let's see. Come on now. It's NXT TakeOver 30. We have room for Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. But Tommaso Ciampa being on NXT television to deliver a debilitating mental health and really builds some sympathy for him as a babyface is too much to ask? I don't think so. And I hope you agree with me out there, Team NXT. And I hope you disagree with me too. And I hope either way you're going to tweet at me at podcast underscore UF and share any and all of your thoughts. I thought, man, with this week being only one episode worthy of discussion, I'll get through this one back on a normal 35 to 45 minute time frame. Nah, looking like we're over an hour again this week. Thank you so much, Team NXT. Really looking forward to NXT TakeOver 30, despite what my last rant might have sounded like. I just want what's best for both halves of DIY and Johnny Gargano. 
We'll see. I think there's there's something there with him and Candice. I think the North American Championship ladder match is shaping up to be something special. Kai versus Shirai is going to be great. Lee versus Cross. There's some there's there's some more parts to be moved around there, but I'm sure we'll get some uh, some updates on Keith Lee's health next week, and those qualifying matches and Cole versus McAfee. Let's uh, McAfee. Let's 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 see where we're going here. Maybe uh maybe McAfee will come out with some goons and I'll be able to make some McAfee security software puns. You never know. Yeah, I th- I think that might be a that might be a sure thing, as well. I'm good enough for anything and raving for now. At podcast underscore uf is the Twitter. Be sure to reach out at undisputed future podcast. All one word is the Instagram. As soon as I get my login information back, I'll be sure to update it with something. Um. However you're listening to me, whenever you're listening to me, thank you so much. Whether it's on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, which is my preferred podcasting platform, and any and anywhere, and my most favorite and old reliable SoundCloud, thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to episode 113 of the UFP show all about the NXT show, the Undisputed future podcast with me the man who has a phd in nxt cd danny mac that cd is for creative discussion folks thank you so much i will talk to you next time have a great day everybody